0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Wednesday, and this is a very special episode of Your Welcome, which will quickly not be that special because I am going to do this from time to time. But today is the first time, Le Premier Podcast, where instead of giving you one episode, I give you two mini episodes. This is because one, I want to be respectful of your time, and two, embrace my creative freedom. And sometimes I have a topic that just doesn't require a full-size pod. But if you only gave me a five-minute episode of the next season of The Crown, I would be highly indignant about it. So instead of giving you one little one, I'm giving you two little ones. So enjoy both eps live today. Your Welks, your Welks times two. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. All right, y'all, let's get honest here. In episode five, we talked about how we all want deeper friendships. And in episode four, we talked about how we want to get more done. And we need to accept that we can actually do less. And here is kind of the great crux, because I feel like most of us have this neuroses today, that we want people to invite us to do things. We want cool stuff to Instagram. We want to live a full, vibrant life of all the things. And we want to lie on the couch watching Netflix, drinking wine in silence much more often. I mean, I say more because of how freaking excited we get when it happens, right? Like, at least according to the group texts with my girlfriends, we literally will all text about what's going on tonight, what people are up to, and most of the time, everyone just stays home in their apartments and texts through whatever they're binge-watching post-nap while doing a face mask. So today, I want to share my four most recent hacks for how to make what can, to me... Feel like one of the biggest decisions, do I stay or do I go now? Like stay on this couch or on this beach chair or go do the thing that is going to look cooler on Instagram. Example number one is the busy week. So this happened to me a couple weeks ago, I guess. I was tired and it was a Thursday and I realized, or maybe it was Wednesday, and I realized I have plans on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm going to the city each of those days, which if you don't live in New York, you probably don't understand what that means. But I live in Brooklyn, this magical utopia, and it feels like a schlep, like a Big deal in my life to actually go into Manhattan, aka the city. Uh, Everything that I do is within a four-block radius of my house, my office, my coffee shop, my optometrist, my OBGYN, my dentist, my Pilates studio. (laughs) Like I basically live in the like little square that is Gilmore Girlville. So it feels like a big deal when I go to the city. So to have to do that four days in a row, that's totally out of my norm and is a lot more commuting and a lot more putting on makeup than I normally invest my time into. So I was going into the city on this Thursday night because Jeremy had gotten tickets to, I honestly forget what it's called and he's going to hate that. But anyways, there's this new like structure that went in over on Hudson Yards. It's this thing you climb up. I don't know, guys. He really likes architecture. So I, he got free tickets to go to this thing and everything else. If I looked at the four things that I was doing, I said, what do I want to do least? What do I care about the least? And I didn't care about going to see this structure. And what I really had to ask myself is, am I going to regret not seeing this?" Because that's what I thought. I was like, well, but maybe it's really cool, and everyone's going to be talking about how cool it is, and they're going to say, "Have you been?" And I'm going to say no." And then I thought, um, I lived, have lived in New York City for a million years, and I have never been to the Statue of Liberty. Does that affect my life on an daily does it affect my life on an annual basis? Does it affect my life? Never? No. Have people asked if I've been? Yes. I say no. I move on. It's fine. No one has shamed me. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything in life. So I said to Jeremy, are you okay if I don't go? Because he was going with other friends. I wasn't just going to stand my husband up. He was fine. It didn't matter to him. And by really working through, oh, yeah, I am the boss of my life. (laughs) Right. Is there anything that I can say no to? And just looking at what do I care about the least? and Also, this can be a hard question because very often our plans are tied to people. And it doesn't mean that we care about those people less. In this case, like I said, Jeremy was still going. He was still going with friends. He was still having the experience that he was excited about. It didn't actually matter to him that I went with him. It was just like something that got thrown on the calendar as these things do. So I slowed down and said, I have a busy week. I'm going to look for things to let go of. And I'm going to ask myself, will i regret not having this experience and ultimately realizing no example number two is the dream vacation this was our honeymoon a few months ago we went to isla mujeres which is a little island off in mexico off the coast of cancun it is darling you ride uh golf carts around that you rent it's so tiny go check it out on my pinned ig stories at hillary rushford but super cute We went into this honeymoon knowing that we wanted to rest. Oftentimes, we go into a trip or a project or a season with a specific outcome in mind. We knew we wanted to rest. If you've heard our story, you know we got married twice. We went on two honeymoons, so we knew from the first one. We just wanted to rest. We weren't looking for an adventurous, athletic trip. We just were going to be exhausted from a year of wedding planning, and we wanted to chill. However, when we went to book the resort, they... They had these resort credits, and they covered certain things, and one of them was swimming with dolphins. I was like, babe, swimming so with dolphins is absolutely on my bucket list. This is so cool. I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. So we get there. We make our plans for the week, and the dolphin thing is on the last day. And so the last day is supposed to be all about rest, but we're going to go swim with dolphins in the afternoon. What else? That sounds chill, right? But we take the taxi, we get over there, and something has happened, and we have to come back in three hours instead of when our reservation was. Well, at this point, it's like, do we just stay at the Dolphin Place, which is not as nice as our hotel, and then by the time we get back, that's pretty much going to have been the day, or do we go back and forth, and now we're spending a ton of our time commuting? And I really just had to refocus on what was the original goal. It was to rest. This option for adventure came along, and it initially felt easy. It was close. And it was an easy yes. But now it's not feeling easy. And now it's not close if we're back and forth. And so I now want to go back to what was my original desire, which was resting. And I also really asked myself, if I never told anyone this story, which in this day and age is basically, if I'd never Instagrammed it, how important would it be to me? Now, i want to swim with dolphins, not because I'm going to Instagram about it. I have wanted to swim with dolphins long before social media was a thing. So I'm not doing it because of that. But of course, in this day and age, thinking that we are going to Instagram the structure that we're going to see in Hudson Yards or the dolphins really can sway us into doing something that is more Instagram worthy than what I did when I didn't go into Manhattan that night, which was stay on the the couch. Actually, I'm pretty positive that I probably did my happy place thing, which was uh, take a bubble bath while watching Madam Secretary um, while my husband was out. But what if I didn't take photos of this? If I didn't have videos, if I didn't post it, what would I actually choose today in this present moment? What would bring me more joy? It was laying on this chair. Drinking a cocktail, not doing anything, completely chilling out, watching the sunset. That's what we chose. And it was the the restful honeymoon that we absolutely treasure. It has not occurred to me to be regretful that I didn't get to swim with dolphins. And it also was helpful in that case to know I could totally swim with dolphins another time. Same thing about the structure in Manhattan that we went to see. It's there. This isn't the one time in life you can do something. If that's the case, maybe you're going to have to rethink it from another perspective. But so many things that we say yes or no to, we could absolutely do them another time if they were really that important. But they tend to feel more important because it feels like they are more temporary, more temporal because they're being asked right now. Instead, I wanted to rest. I reminded myself of that. I chose that. I loved that. And it has helped me to be so passionate about choosing your present joy. Choose what brings you joy in this present moment. Brings you the most joy. Example number three is the big event. So last week, I got a text from a girlfriend inviting me to a private women's mastermind with Richard Branson on Necker Island, which sounds amazing, right? Richard Branson has a private island. Called Necker Island. It's in the US Virgin Islands, I'm saying the word island a lot. And you have to be invited to go there. Not just anyone can go. And it's gonna be all these women, it's gonna be Richard Branson. He's cool. I'm sure it would have been amazing. Plus, I had reached out to this friend. She crossed my mind. I text her. Then she says, Oh, now that you're texting me, I should tell you about this thing. So I also absolutely could have taken it as a kismet moment. Like, see, this was meant to be. So I really thought through it. I looked at the calendar. I saw the dates, how it could work, because I was on another trip, but it was a lot of money and it was a lot of time. It was gonna take a week. And we have a lot of priorities at work right now uh, that I've already decided on that are very important. And what I realized was The next day, I saw her text. I picked up my phone to text someone else, saw her text, and realized, I haven't thought about this for the last 24 hours. If this was a real hell yes in my soul... Wouldn't I have just been brimming and bubbling about it that I couldn't wait to tell Jeremy when he got home from work and that I wanted to talk to my business partners about it? Maybe I fell asleep daydreaming about how cool it would be or I woke up and it was the first thing on my mind and I was really nervous that I hadn't texted her back. It was causing me anxiety because I thought, what if somebody else takes that spot? But by realizing I hadn't even thought about it, it made it so easy to say no to this incredible opportunity Because it was clear that it wasn't a hell yes. It hadn't been weighing on me. It hadn't been rattling around in my head and heart. And I took that as a really good sign that it wasn't that important to me. It was an amazing opportunity that, again, popped up and could have really thrown me off my course of my priorities, my travel, my finances. And by just kind of sitting with it, unintentionally in this case, and realizing how did I feel about it the next day? I realized it actually wasn't a hell yes in my soul, which made it really peaceful to text her back and say, yeah, I don't think this is right for me. And finally, example number four is what if you already committed? So I got this genius phrase I'm going to share from my sweet friend Nisha. Years ago, I had committed to going to an event. It was in Marfa, Texas. It was being run by a woman I adored. I knew that it was going to be incredible. I had said yes. I had committed to the Airbnb. I had purchased the conference or event ticket. But I hadn't worked out how I was going to get there. And I've never been to Marfa before. I had no idea how hard it is to get there. I did not know that it is in the middle of nowhere. And now I'm going to this event by myself. And when I'm looking up the flights, I was going to have to get in at like 10 o'clock at night, rent a car, drive by myself for three hours, or it was going to cost like a billion dollars in order to get a direct flight. Or I don't even remember the details, but I just started to feel so much anxiety. I felt stuck. I Nothing in my being wanted to go to this once I actually saw the full scope, how much time it was going to take, how much money, how much effort. Um, and I felt really intimidated at the time. I wouldn't now, but this was years ago. I felt very intimidated at the idea of, you know, flying in someplace late at night, having to get a car, having to navigate by myself, and I just did not want to go. And so I called Nisha in a panic. I was like, what do I do? Because I already, I already invested this money. Like, I feel trapped that I, I've already invested in it. And she said, consider it the price of buying back your freedom and i think that is such a powerful phrase because i think there is so often that we do something because we already invested money in it and i'm very fiscally conservative i do not just throw around money so it would be a big deal to me to buy a ticket to something and not go to buy an you know, to rent an airbnb that i is non-refundable and, and and not be able to use it but i thought it was such a wise point that just because i had invested some money didn't mean that I needed to invest more money, that investing more money was not going to bring back that joy. (laughs) That instead, I could see that investment as buying back the price of my freedom, that actually I wanted to stay in town that weekend. Actually, I didn't want the exhaustion of traveling. I actually didn't want to add even more expenses. And this came up for us recently We had purchased a ticket to go to this couples communication retreat upstate at the center. And I was really excited about it. I'd wanted to study with these people for a long time. And it seemed like it was the perfect time. Jeremy was totally into it. And then I can't remember what all happened, but it just once it actually came with the chaos of wedding planning, family drama and whatever, it was just clear we were not supposed to go. So I decided to cancel it without even thinking we could get a credit back. And then my assistant said, hey, good news, you can get a credit and you can use it for a year. I thought, oh, amazing. Here I had decided it was clear we we shouldn't go and it was causing us too much stress. I was going to let the money go. But now we have this credit. Well, now I feel like I should use the credit. So I'm looking through our calendar for the next year. It expires in a year. And I'm finding what are the other, you know, couples communication programs that they have. And I'm putting them on the calendar. And because we are going to see our family in California, because we are going to France, we have a lot of our year planned. And there's only like two events that really apply to us the whole year. And one of them is a time we can't do. So there's basically one option. And so I put it on the calendar and I'm like, here here would be the option, babe. Well, it turns out that is the weekend that he's a groomsman in one of his best friend's weddings. And that is when they want to do the groomsman retreat. And... It was another one of those times where I could have been swayed by, but we already spent all this money and this is our last chance to use it. But I really had instead was able to pause and say, when I think about it, when I picture us going up there, when I picture us packing, renting a car, getting up there, all of that stuff, and I look at everything else that we have, it's not one of the top things that I'm excited about. I'm not unexcited. But in my gut, I'm not just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait. We've got to do this. And therefore, no, I don't think that we should be swayed by this money and prioritize it over you being able to go on this trip with your guy friends or you just not having to complicate it by being like, that weekend doesn't work for me. And it was so helpful to me to already have that nugget of wisdom from my friend Nisha that, again, this is not a... Of course, I'm not encouraging anyone to just be responsible and spend money on a bunch of stuff, but acknowledge that in those moments when we do get into it, there will be times when we've spent money on something and it may be that buying the the price of buying back your freedom is going to give you more joy in saying no and letting it go than being dragged along because of your past decision to already invest and therefore kind of begrudgingly going and still wishing that you weren't there or having to spend even more money, just let it be the price of buying back your freedom. Ultimately, I think missing out instinctively feels bad. And therefore, we say yes to so much more than we should. We have constant FOMO about opportunities in our business, things that are going to happen on a trip in a place we might not ever get back to, something simple that gets thrown in our week like tickets to something, plans that people have, instinctively, it feels so bad to miss out that we put so much more on our calendars than if we would get quiet and acknowledge that creating space in our life actually feels best. But we have to slow down and ask the right questions to be able to confidently and peacefully choose that space for ourselves. So, To recap, the four ways I confidently have made quick decisions just in the last few months are asking, what do I care about the least when I have too much going on and letting those things I care about least go? Asking what will bring me the most joy right now? Not recounting the story later, but choosing what will bring me the most joy in the present moment and doing that. Number three, Trusting that a hell yes will haunt you. And if something is not continuing to just rattle around in your brain, it probably means that it is not lighting you up enough to wildly prioritize it. And then number four, the price of buying back your freedom. What about you? Do you have hacks that you use, questions to ask yourself, ways that you evaluate what you should say yes and no to? I am so fascinated in this topic and I think it is something we all need and could use more of. So pretty, please come over to Instagram at Hillary Rushford and leave a comment under my most recent post, whether you hear this today or long after it has gone live. I would truly love to hear, as would so many others, what is helping you. And if you want another quick hack for more joy, go listen to episode 13, which is also live right now. So go keep listening. You're welcome in advance. One more thing. Don't miss this before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately are used bookstores. And I am not just saying this to buy points with my dad, because, guys, as you know from a past episode, he still listens to quote books on tape, which he also listens to on his e phone. He literally said that one time while he was preaching a sermon. He called it his e phone. So I am not holding out hope that he is going to discover this podcast, but he loves books used bookstores, like is obsessed. When the Woolsey fire broke out, which was in the neighborhood that my parents lived in, uh, live in, it was terrifying. My mom and my aunt are fleeing to go stay with my sister. And where's my dad? He's wandering around used bookstores to manage his anxiety, which was incredibly high because he has a library in our home of 10,000 books. How do I know that? Because my friend Steph and I counted when we were in junior high. Guys, if you really weren't sure what a nerd I was and how book-obsessed I am, I literally counted all the books in my dad's floor-to-ceiling library on all four walls in the back of our house. So I have always grown up loving used books. Most of the books in my dad's library are used books. Um, But I'm here today to share a few reasons why you should be checking out your local used bookseller. Number one, coffee table books. Coffee table books are expensive. I'm looking at interior decorating feeds and saving stuff on Instagram, and there's so many books everywhere, and they look cool. I love typography, um, and also I just want to look like a reader and whatever. They're interesting. But guys, they're so expensive. But coffee table books at your used bookstore, way more affordable. Also, it's a great place to get bestsellers and classics that you never read. So a New York Times bestseller something that, you know, without a million years ago, Catcher in the Rye that you never got around to, you're going to be able to find it at a used bookstore. And also if you want to gift a favorite book to have a friend read. This is something I've just been thinking about lately. When I love a book, I want to loan it to someone, but I also want to hold on to it because I am that person who wants to have the books that I love on my bookshelf so that other people come over and are like, oh, I read that book. Like my friend Sarah and I connected years ago because I went we'd already connected. But when I went to her apartment, I saw that she had a book called Shantaram that almost no one has read. And I was like, this is one of my favorite books. And she was like, it's one of my favorite books. And then we fell in love even more. So I need that copy of Shantaram and um, A Little Life and um, a a myriad of other books uh, that I adore. A short... A short history of love? A history of love? Anyways, I need my favorite books on my bookshelf so that when you come over and you see them, you will understand that we are kindred spirits. But I also want to get them to my friends so I can make a little list on my phone and keep an eye out when I'm in used bookstores. In the age of Amazon, the which my publisher friend Carrie is going to kill me if I don't point out, guys, we shouldn't be buying books on Amazon. It is horrible for authors because Amazon can control the price of books and the authors get less. So just go to your local bookstore if you really love an author and you want to support them. Or if you just love books and reading, try to go to your local bookstore more often. I use Amazon for everything. And books is like the one area that I feel so guilty when I order. And I really try to make a point to go to my local bookstore. But used bookstores are quaint. They're cozy. So find one on your next road trip or day trip or in your neighborhood that you have never bothered to go in. Save money. You will be smarter. You will look cooler. And you also might see my dad there. Seriously, if you're in a small town in Alabama or Oregon during football season, that man is in a Cracker Barrel or a used bookstore all over America. So tell him you know who I am, uh, and he will be very excited and talk your ear off. And because people are obsessed with him, you will then come DM me and tell me that you too are obsessed with him. So bonuses all around. You're welcome in advance. next Wednesday.